The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress am I under until it is completed? Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens, you hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, we definitely need some help today with those scriptures, huh? So let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. We pray that you'll give us your spirit, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, not only be acceptable in your sight, but be fruitful for our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, indeed, what a great Sunday if you're a guest of ours today uh, to show up. And hear Jesus saying he came to bring division and split up families and cause hardship. And that God's word is like a fire that burns you up and a hammer that crushes you. Please stay. <laughs> What's happening here? Why is it that the prophet Jeremiah says God's word is like a fire or a hammer? What is it about the Word that seems to create such division and offense and cause so much tension? Why is it so troubling to us? Well, let's start with what the prophet Jeremiah says in the 23rd verse there of the 23rd chapter. Sounds in Hebrew, I mean, it's hard to translate it, but it may be a question, but it may not be. So it might be, I am a God at hand, not far away, or a kind of rhetorical question, am I not a God close at hand, not far away? So it could be a rhetorical question or just a flat-out statement, I am near. The word is karov in Hebrew. And it means there is no distance. That's so in English we say at hand, like right there. God is right here. There isn't any distance between us and God. Now, this should make you uncomfortable <laughs> if you're not. Remember, I just thought of this. Um, a friend of mine that I know um, ended up, they were having a, 
they went, they were down in Bremerton, they went to a little, uh, you know, like sandwich shop and bar type place for lunch, and um, it was while officer and a gentleman was being filmed in Bremerton, so this goes way back, and, but of course he was not plugged into who's famous and who's Hollywood, you know, and all this stuff, and he sits down and he has lunch with this guy, and he just treats the guy like an ordinary person, it's no big deal, you know, this whole thing, and, uh, and it seemed like the guy that he was having lunch with really enjoyed it, probably because he wasn't being treated weird and all that, um, but anyway, so they had lunch, he left, and then uh, later, um, maybe, uh, I don't know, months and months later, um, he sees the guy he had lunch with on the big screen, Richard Gere. And he told his wife about it, and she really got interested about that, you know. So, anyway, I mean, but, you know, if, if he would have known that it was Richard Gere sitting there, he would have been like, whoa, this is totally different. Well, maybe that's not a good analogy, but, but the prophet says, God is right here, near. But we don't want that, typically. We want some space. Don't we like our space as human beings? We want to keep God at a distance, Think about the deists who believed partly on the basis of the Bible, they just took a few parts of the Bible, um, that said that God created us and gave us rights and laws to live by um, and then took off. God is an absentee landlord. Now that's a safe, fine God to have. That's workable. Because then... We can let God off the hook for all these tough questions, like why, if God is so powerful and so good, is there so much messed up stuff going on in the world? Because it's easy. Well, we're not keeping the laws. If we kept the laws, everything would be fine. So God is safe. We put God at a distance. And of course, Bette Midler tells us about this in her beautiful song, and I love her voice. I love her as an artist, her ability. It's amazing. God is watching us from a distance. The Hebrew Scriptures say, even though God fills all in all and God is transcendent, God is karov, at hand. No distance, no safe space, The God who is completely righteous is right here with us fairly unrighteous people. And like I say, so we create systems that kind of creates a distance, and and so God is far away, and we're here, and the prophet would say, we have nowhere to hide. We have nowhere to run. God is right here. And yes, if we're honest, that is scary and offensive, and we want to run from that with all our might, but God, there's no place we can go, the prophet says. Don't I feel everywhere? If we go to some of the other Psalms, if you go to the highest heaven, where is God there? Yes. If I go even down to Sheol, now I won't use some other words that are more colorful for that, but God is at the place of the dead? Really? This is the God that we hear about, and then Jesus arrives on the scene, the Word made flesh, the second person of the Trinity, 
And he says something interesting. He says the kingdom of God is kabod, near. And when he says this, and he says that it's been fulfilled, and, and it's here, in the Gospel of Luke a few chapters before, <laughs> what do the people want to do once they hear that? Throw them off the cliff. We like our space. God incarnate? God one of us? The kingdom that near? No way. We'll take a prophet. We'll take a nice giver of information and a good inspiring teacher, a helper. We'll have that. But we will not have God in the flesh. God, boom, right there. So let me sum it up. Why is God's word like a hammer? <laughs> Why is God's word like a fire? Why does it create such division and hardship? Well, there's two, maybe two reasons. If God is righteous and we are not, then for God to be right near us is an exposing, scary, frightening, terrifying proposal. If we're honest and we know and thought word and deed, don't forget the thought, that we are unrighteous, then God's righteousness being that upfront, that close, is terrifying. But there's another reason why we find it so difficult, and that is, like I said a little bit before, that you know when there's a distance... A far away, God, we can let off the hook. You know, all those theodicy questions about why do bad things, if God is so near, if God is so close, I mean, what does that say about my suffering and the world's suffering? I mean, where is God? And we, and we, we have all kinds of questions and struggles, and, and how many people I run into almost weekly that still don't darken the doors because they can't figure it out in their heads. And yet, God says through the prophet today, I am kavod. I'm right here. Well, most religions, as I think about it, deal with the gap. <laughs> this, we make a distance, and then we say how the gap gets bridged. And most religions say it's something we do to bridge that gap that we don't want to hear about, that, that we don't want to have, but so religions bridge that gap. By the way, I should have told you from the outset, this is not going to be a 101 sermon. This is more like a 401 level sermon. So, you, so that means if you're thinking about your grocery list, stop it. <laughs> I need some work here today, okay? We we create systems and we, stuff that we can do to bridge the gap. God is safely far away, and now this is how we get to God. But the hammer falls and crushes that presumption that we can do something to bridge that gap. The fire comes and burns that up. The Word comes as a hammer to kill our presumption that we can do it, we can solve the problem on our own, and crushes it. The Word comes as a hammer because the Word says you are no longer in the driver's seat, folks. 
And most religions like to put us in the driver's seat. The Christian faith says, nope, you, you don't know how to drive this car. You know, when I first learned to do a stick shift, you know, that's like the gospel. I have no clue. You are not in control. God is going to come across the barrier to you. And that's what happens in the Word today. God breaks through this gap and says, I'm right here. And, and what is God going to do now? See, because here's the thing. Uh, without the Word, a, prom- a proclamation that God is right here near is not good news. It's terrifying news. It's bad news. But the Word comes to us. And yes, it comes as a hammer to shatter our presumption that we can take care of it ourselves. But the Word comes and says something powerful. Did you catch it in the beginning of Jeremiah today? We, I included verse 5 and 6 because this, this part today is a part of a whole long sermon, and, and the gospel is up higher. It says that God will bring forth a righteous branch from Jesse, from David. We often hear that back in Advent. Um, uh, and, and what that righteous branch is going to do is going to make people righteous. It says execute in the, in the translation. But the Hebrew is just simple, make. I don't know why they translate it as execute. Because, you know, execute, create, make, make it happen type of thing. But it says God, this righteous branch will make people righteous. And then what's his name going to be? Did you catch this? The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, that's the, God's name, who makes righteous. The Lord is our righteous. It's not our righteousness. God, this one that's going to come is going to be our righteousness. So now we get the word, the promise that, and the proclamation that God is right at hand, and that's scary, but then right along with that, we get the promise that this one who's so near is going to make us righteous. Jesus says it. He he said it today at the beginning of the text where he says, this is going to cause a lot of heart. This is going to make a lot of people upset. You tell people you're not in the driver's seat. Have you ever had to fight with your spouse about who's driving? I usually just... Because I'm not the greatest driver, really. So anyway, but... You tell people that you're not in the driver's seat, they're going to say, this is fighting words. This is no good. But that's what the Word comes and says. But, but the great news is that Jesus, who's going to take the wheel, sorry to use the old country song there, but um, he's going to be the driver, and he's going to make us righteous. How does he do it? Well, he said it in the beginning of the text today. He said, oh, I have a baptism to be baptized with. Now, he's not talking about the baptism as a sacrament. He's talking about his what? Death, the cross, and his resurrection, his suffering on the cross, and his resurrection. How's he going to make us righteous? That's what he's going to do for you and me. 
So this God who's come near is, is terrifying, and, and we have all kinds of questions and problems about the goodness of God and the almightiness of God, and how can this be? But God comes as a promise to us today and says, I am good, and I am merciful, and I am loving, and look what I'm going to do for you, and look what I did for you, all to make you righteous so that you don't have to try and create some barrier that's artificial and then pretend that you've done enough laws to, to get to God. No, I'm going to come to you. I've come to you in Christ, and in that I make you righteous. And you still might say, well, how, do, how does that happen? Well, what do we say, what do we confess about these waters right here? Romans 6, when you were baptized, you were connected to Christ. He's all over you. Not only is he near, you are in his hands. You are clothed with his righteousness. I've told you a million times, that's why the liturgist and Pastor Jonathan and I wear these silly bathrobes. Because we want you to remember you are clothed, you are covered, you are connected to Christ in the faith of your baptism. You, you know, that's, that's how God does it. I was trying to think of some analogies here. Um, I couldn't think of the movie, but I think it's been in all, this kind of theme has been all kinds of movies. You think about this really scary house on the neighborhood block. And then there's this kind of older person. Sometimes it's an older woman, sometimes it's an older man. It, but, but, you know, the kids are scared to death of who lives in that scary old beaten down house. And so they walk by it, you know, and tremble. And then somehow, as a dare or something, they get one of their kids to go up there and knock on the door. That's the way most people look at God, if they believe in God. A lot of people just get rid of the concept of God because that's what they think about is God. But that kid knocks on the door. And what they find is not a terrifying, mean curmudgeon, but a warm, caring grandma or grandpa figure. I, it's a little bit like that with the gospel. <laughs> I get to tell you today that God in Christ, here, this is what I get to tell you. You've heard of that famous sermon we are sinners, sinners in the hands of an angry God. But I get to tell you today, you are not sinners in the hands of an angry God. You are sinners in the hands of a gracious and merciful God who gave his son for you to take away your sin and give you his righteousness so that you can live with that promise and cling to it every day. Yeah, God's word is a hammer. But God's word is like water, too, that makes us new. Let yourself be made new today in the Word, and as you come to His meal, a meal where God is where? Not at a distance, but right here. And says, I forgive you, and I love you. You are my child. Amen.